Hello, and welcome to episode number 71 of Future Chat from Unwind Media. Every week on this show, we take an hour or so to discuss all the week's most interesting interesting science and tech news, and we're glad you're here with us. This episode is brought to you by Audible.com. To help out our show and get a free audiobook of your choice, as well as a free 30-day trial, please do visit audibletrial.com slash unwind. They have over 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products for you to try. We got some big news this week after our two-week hiatus. Somebody is back. (gasps) Who could it be? Who could it be? This podcaster I do see. Can Can you help me guess this mystery? mystery? (laughs) He's got a man bun, a beard, (laughs) and makes us laugh. (laughs) That singing is not going to sync up well. Oh, man. Nick is back. Uh, Nick, um, let's just get right into it. Give us, uh, where have you been the last, how long has it been? I feel like it's been maybe three months. It it hasn't been three months, but it's been a long time. It feels like it's been three months. It, it, It really does. I was listening and catching up on all the episodes this week, and it was, I missed you guys. Yeah. Um, I was working on the liberal campaign as their special projects coordinator. Okay. That's and they, did they run out of special projects? <laughs> <laughs> uh, kind of, sort of, yeah. Like the prime the, the response. writing's a lock, basically, is, is pretty much what you're trying to say. Uh, yeah, that must be it. No, they, uh, they put me in charge of signs and sign distribution, but our campaign manager stepped down just because couldn't give the hours that were needed in a day-to-day setting. So we had another campaign manager set up, come up and look at all that we had done and all that we needed to do and looked at the work that had been done on the signage front and looked at it and said, you know, we're actually pretty well set for this. And if we could save on our payroll budget, that would be great. So (laughs) apparently that's just, you know, one of those things. What I'm hearing is that you did your job too well. I, I am. That's how I'm describing it. I, I, yeah. I worked myself out of a job. That's, that's what we'll go with. Okay. And well, so now I'm looking forward to hearing more about your future job prospects. But we're glad you're back for <laughs> yeah, the time exactly. being. Oh, we, we are. So <laughs> I went to sun in this cloudy situation. I went to <laughs> yes. Grand Prairie in my hiatus. That was fun. Nice. I mean, that's not particularly noteworthy. Also, also Grand Cash. We, we hit Grand Cash on the way back from Grand Prairie. Interesting. Um, Mike, we also have a piece of follow-up that's not in the show yet, but I figured we may as well mention it. Uh, you have a microphone in front of you now. Mike has a mic. Mike's yep. mic. What's going on with that? Hello. Oh. It's, it's, a, uh, it's, a, it's an investment. I, nice. I, figure, I figure since you know, we do this every week and... You guys have stepped up and made yourselves sound good, and I, I sound like relative crap on a week-to-week basis compared to you guys. I figure I may as well step up my game, put, put both feet in, and, uh, and invest in the hi-fi side of things. So That's good. You just, uh, just got to get in there, give it 100, 110% every shift, and uh, shorten up those passes, stick to the fundamentals, and uh, we'll... Things will go. Yep. Things will go well. Yeah, fin- finish your checks. Hustle hard. Yeah, you know, you'll be yeah. checking and shooting and coming out big. 
just got to <laughs> score more than the other team. That's yeah, pretty much what you got to do. That's just what you got to do. Yeah. <laughs> Who is the other team in this scenario? <laughs> this is so weird. Everyone else. Everyone else is the other team. Yeah. Oh, man. But, uh, okay, so you got a mic. Nick is back. Uh, Mike, why don't you tell us what you've been doing the last two weeks that we have not had a show? Well, to start with, clearly I'm the one that holds the show together because we can't do a show unless I'm here. <laughs> clearly. So, aside from that, um, we we did a little excursion down to Disney World with uh, with a family. Wait, is that uh, the nice. Californian one? That's the Florida, Floridian one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's the, the big one, the one that apparently not the original i always thought it was the original but what disneyland was the yeah original. disneyland's the original i believe yeah you're kidding it, it is i learned that no this, this past week. i don't yeah. believe you true story <laughs> that's impossible you should check it out you should go sometime and you, you'd learn lots <laughs> to the one in florida either one you I, i've been to the, the one in fact. florida oh then you should have known this already I'm from the east that's what we do <laughs> we go to florida i feel like so, that's not true it's have you heard of snowbirds rob have you? I have, but you're not one. People in the West go to Mexico. People in the East go to Florida. That's just... That's, that's, how, that's it how it works. That is the natural <laughs> order of things. Yeah. Anyway, I was, in, I was in Florida doing my Disney World thing. And I guess kind of following up in the same style as Rob's summary of how his tech experience was while traveling in Hawaii, uh, I, I kind of paid a bit more attention to the tech side of things in, in Disney. And it was actually pretty good. Uh, I brought my phone with me, no computer, just because I don't normally use a computer on a day-to-day basis. But prior to leaving, both myself and Maria got a U.S. travel pack from Fido. Um, they offer that with purchase of Fido dollars or using Fido dollars. So okay, since I don't use Fido dollars anyway, then I may as well <laughs> use it on something that I might be useful. So that came with like 200 megabytes of data, which is the main thing that we were concerned about was using data. And... Turns out, well, I guess we knew this before we left, but we weren't sure how reliable it would be. But Disney World actually has widespread Wi-Fi throughout their resorts, their parks. And uh, yeah, basically pretty much anywhere you are that's Disney owned, they'll have Wi-Fi there. So and your phone obviously just connects whenever the Wi-Fi is around. It's all the same network. So it'll just jump on as soon as you're within range. That is actually fantastic utility. Yeah. Yeah. Given and, that you're spending two hours in line every single time. Oh, exactly. <laughs> and it was it was very reliable and fast Wi-Fi, too. Like, it wasn't, like, useless Wi-Fi. It wasn't like, oh, you're on Wi-Fi, but you can't do anything. It was, I'd say it was as fast as the regular Fado network. That mm. So I, I didn't notice any difference in, in quality. So that was, that was nice to see. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so then that way, you know, you take pictures and they auto-upload because you're on Wi-Fi. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I really didn't have to use the network data except for GPS navigation, like with the Google Maps, because I actually downloaded Google Maps offline, but apparently you can't navigate with offline maps, which they're changing for their next version of Google Maps. <laughs> well, thank God. <laughs> but you, you can, but you have to have the you have to have GPS. No, you you can't navigate. Oh, you can look at the I- map. And say, I'm on this road, this is where I'm going. And it will show your GPS marker, but you can't navigate direction, like take directions and navigate using offline maps. Have you tried, have you, did you start it and then start yeah. driving? Because I've navigated on the iOS Google Maps app, but I started it while I had connectivity. 
Like I, I mapped the route. And then oh no! Yeah, no, I, I didn't. Do, no, that's that obviously would work because we'd already okay. load the navigation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, this is. I just hoped that I wouldn't even have to buy data because the only network data I'd need was with Google Maps. So right. that that was pretty much the only reason that I had to buy the network data was for navigation. So right. Um. But yeah, no, it was actually a pretty good experience. Technologically, didn't really have any difference in my regular routine from here. So. That was good. But if you look at my my data usage on my phone, because Android keeps track of that, your cellular versus Wi-Fi data usage, you can like pinpoint the date that I left because my cellular data is normally like this and then it's like flat for two weeks. <laughs> and then my Wi-Fi is normally flat and then it spikes. Right. So it's pretty funny, but nice. it worked out. Yeah. Um, Nick, you did something starting at the end of last week, beginning of this week. Beginning that, of this uh, week. you hadn't tried before. I've tried it, but you hadn't tried it. Is, what have you been this, doing? Is this something we can talk about on air? <laughs> oh, you mean the Soylent. <laughs> you, you've been doing Not that the for other a long thing. time, Nick. Yeah, the other <laughs> thing, Nick. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, I got Soylent. Yeah. So I've been taking that for kind of breakfasty, lunchy kind of sort of thing. It's and? interesting because when you look at the Soylent and how it all works out, you really see the utility in splitting your food intake into four separate smaller meals throughout the day, and that's basically what's happened to me this week. Yeah. Yeah. I'm usually, like, you know, job hunting during the mornings, and Soylent is fantastic for that because you can just sit down with a mug of it, and it's like having a feed bag, but <laughs> while you're working it's at exactly a desk. exactly like that. It's... <laughs> It's fantastic. I've always wanted something that you could just, you know, was nutritionally complete and you could just, you know, chip away at. Exactly. And, and you didn't have to think about it. It's, it's just, finally here. Yeah. Soylent. Official food stuff of Future Chat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I started, I guess it's almost been, oh, there's a month in the middle where I didn't really have it. But since the end of June, beginning of July, I've been having it every day that I've gone to work. I've been having it for lunch. And you're looking and that slimmer. Is, I, that has coincided with about 15 to 20 pounds of weight loss in that time. Two weeks of which was honeymoon. So I, I didn't care at all about what I was eating. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of decadent food in that time. But it's been it's been extremely useful in terms of weight loss. Because it like, as you mentioned, it fills you up. And you don't really have to think about it. You just yeah. eat a normal amount of food you're not trying to go crazy eating too much it's nice and on that note one thing i do notice about it is it's really good at keeping you full mm -hmm. and i noticed that they use a lot of oat flour in the 1.5 powder version yeah. it really does remind me of eating oatmeal because at times i will know that i'm experiencing a caloric deficit just because I've, you know, got up and walked or gone for a bike ride in the morning. And I have like the symptoms of being hungry, but at the same time, I'm so full that I couldn't possibly eat anything. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like great tool for weight loss in that sense. Cause yeah. is that yeah. a good thing though? It is a good thing. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, it depends on what exactly you want. Yeah. Cause your, yeah, your stomach's full. Yeah. It you're just needs to process what's though. in it. You're going for nutrition yeah, and energy. It has all of that. 
it's all in your stomach. You just haven't necessarily digested it yet, but it doesn't take very long. From what Nick's sounding, his blood sugar gets low, but he's still full. Like his energy is low. I think it's just it hasn't kicked in yet because like That's, one of the things that yeah. they mentioned yeah, it could be a, yeah. they they reformulated the latest the 1.5 ver- it might have been the 1.4 like but one of the recent updates they formulated it so it had it used sugars that had lower glycemic index so they don't spike your blood sugar as quickly yeah that was the 1.5 yeah so that's probably what you're describing and i i know i felt the same way that it's not at all like like it has sugars it has carbs but it's not like eating candy sugar that it'll just give you a, a rush of sugar. Right. Well, Nick, I know we, well, you're familiar with cycling and how intense cyclists are with keeping up their calories while, while riding. Like they say sure the are. 100 kilometer, 200 kilometer rides or whatever. Have um, I shared that video of like, it's, the, it's like the more you cycle, the more calories you can get away with. And it has a line of cyclists. <laughs> Like the first one's eating a baguette and then the team car pulls up to the next one and puts out just like a personal pizza and the guy like starts eating that. <laughs> the third guy gets like yeah. Chinese noodles. And- yeah. Yeah. That's- see, that's, that's the thing is that the food they're taking, they're literally eating while riding, but it's all just like gel packs. Yeah. Like it's literally raw energy and it's quick energy, right? Yeah. If, from the sound of it, this, the, the Soylent doesn't give you that quick energy. It's the slow digesting one which is what you want on a on a daily basis not if you're going for a couple hundred kilometer bike ride yeah and i mean the couple hundred kilometer bike ride like if you tried to subsist on that you it wouldn't go well it's no. well, long and short because it's just it's all salt and sugar yeah and so right, like so, the the soylent is a more slower burning thing yeah yeah if you wanted like if you wanted to use soylent as a sort of long distance endurance type uh nutrition i think you'd have to that would be a terrible idea you know i think you'd have to start off at the like before like half an hour or something or an hour before oh you would you'd have to start eating like hours before depending on the the distance of the ride but i mean yeah you'd also have to watch out for your vitamin intake because but it has vitamins no i'm saying you could overdo it on the vitamins Mm. if you were just doing soylent if you if you're having more than a day's worth, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. But luckily, I haven't had to do that yet, and I haven't burned six thousand calories in a day. No, so. I wouldn't. Yeah, you shouldn't have six thousand calories worth of soil in a day. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. Um, so I don't know. I we haven't actually talked about the Apple stuff yet. I put in follow up here that I'm not getting an iPhone tomorrow as we're recording now. By the time this episode comes out, it will have already happened. Um, well, let, let's let's back up and talk about what Apple announced in our in our absence because we didn't talk about that. Right. There's a couple things that we want to discuss. I don't know if we need to touch on everything because we don't want to bore Nick uh, half to death. But we could talk about a few of the things that kind of most impact us. And then I'll talk about why I'm not getting a phone tomorrow even though i reserved it for in-store pickup two weeks ago (laughs) so you're that guy uh yeah i'm i'm you from the spring i guess me i never reserved anything you didn't know you just made appointments that you missed oh that's true but i did show up eventually that's true and i will (laughs) show up eventually (laughs) um but yeah so we'll i guess we'll start there then uh there's 
there's a bit of car news that I thought I deemed more important just because it's more recent. But Mike, what did you think of, or I guess what, what did you deem most important from the Apple event? I, I just didn't know what they were going to announce aside from what everyone expected them to, because they have their clockwork, like release schedule yeah. that they have. Um, I think everyone anticipated the Apple TV to get an update, which it did. And the iPad, it was at least strongly rumored or if not already confirmed that they were going to announce a new iPad, which yep. they did. And there was a, there was a soft software update to go along with that. Wasn't there? There was Nick the public. Yeah. Yeah. Public iOS nine. Yeah. Yeah. But the iOS nine I, has been out for a while. Okay. Cause I, I read Good job on recognizing that. No, I, I, I recognize that story because, uh, I was checking up on Ubuntu news not long ago <laughs> and there was one that had the headline Apple copies Ubuntu semicolon <laughs> passes it off as innovation. So you accidentally read Apple news. I did. Yeah. yeah. What were they referring to? Uh, the like sidebar thing where you can keep multiple apps going or something like that. And then you can just snap them to the si- snap currently running apps to the sidebar. Yeah. No, this is not reading. Okay. Yeah, no, apparently Ubuntu's done that for a while and they made a big deal about it. Kind of like with workspaces. Yeah. And then Apple was like, hey, that's a great idea. Steely, steely. Okay. So I guess that's a good segue into my thoughts on the event as a whole. Because in hearing the news that they were announcing, I was like, wow, that's cool. Oh, that looks nice. Wow, that's that's awesome. That's really useful. And as I think about it, I'm like, wait, this isn't really new in an industry sense. It's just new for Apple to do it. But my reaction was impressiveness for it. Like you were impressed. I was impressed by it. And, and the, and I read, you know, people have been saying it for a bit, but I read the kind of consistent theme during the keynote was Apple is renowned for letting others trial ideas and test the market. And then Apple does the same thing and does it so incredibly well that it trumps pretty much everything that's been done before it. Yeah. Like they just do it so much better, but obviously at a price, which is kind of the other consistent theme that I heard in the keynote <laughs> was just people shocked at how much money they had to throw at Apple to get anything that they were well putting out. It, it That's normal for Aside the Aside from States. the Apple TV, Apple TV actually sounds like a reasonably priced device, but. The States is a whole different story. We in Canada now have a 25 cent, right. 25% premium yeah. on everything. And that just brings everything to a ridiculous uh, state where spending. Including like, Soylent, by the way. Well, no. <laughs> yeah, oh, no, you get. Level. I might be thinking of something different. Are we talking about the state of the Canadian dollar? Yeah. 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 But you're not paying twelve hundred dollars instead of nine hundred. You're paying what twenty five instead of fifteen or something. How much do well, you like, think Soylent is? Seventy four as opposed to like sixty four or something like Order that. Order of magnitude, Rob. That's what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, Rob, tell us what you picked out of the keynote, and Nick and I can comment on it. Mostly me. So I've been <laughs> waiting. Yeah, I've been waiting. Um, we didn't even follow up on this. I, I skipped right over it, but we didn't really talk much about uh, 
TV gaming. You wanted to follow up. I oh, asked yeah. you actually. I gave you homework to follow up on I, multiplayer. I have it. I just didn't. Oh, I, I know. Have it in the follow up notes. That's what I'm saying. I skipped over yeah. it by accident. Anyway. <laughs> uh, oh, how I've missed this. Yeah, the <laughs> Apple TV is something that I've been waiting for a refresh for probably two to three years now. I've been waiting for it to do just a little bit more, and as soon as I watched what they announced, I just said, yes, uh, I, I don't care what the exchange rate is. I'm getting that when it comes out, which is late October. And so they, they will have multiplayer gaming on the Apple TV, which I'm told is not new, as no. we've discussed with the other, with the iPad stuff. Um, but you can have, they, you can get controllers for the Apple TV, or people will be making them. Uh, you can get, you can control one player on the game on your TV from your phone or multiple people can do that from the same, from their own phones. Um, that in, in itself is enough for me to, to do that just cause I think Julia and I will often sit there on the couch playing our own iPhone games or iPad games. And this would give us a very solid reason, like to make it much more easy for us to play the same game at the same time. And I just think that I just think that will happen and I'm certainly going to be encouraging it to happen. You're adorable. But I've just been waiting for so long for this Apple TV that won't just have a set of channels that Apple decides on. I, I love the idea that it has apps and I love that I'm seeing people actually wanting to put them on. I noticed Plex is, Plex is getting an app, so I'm probably going to get Plex, um, it just all around the Apple TV sounds really awesome. The Chromecast has Plex already. Yeah, but the Chromecast is fine. I I'm not hating on the Chromecast. I love the Chromecast. I I see what you're saying about about if you guys already play games together in the same room but separately. Yeah, I can see how that would be a draw for you. And when I saw what the new Apple TV could do. I was impressed by it. Like I said, it was like, wow, this is really cool. And then I thought like, well, that's not new, but it, no. it's, it's well implemented the way they've done it. And I originally said, yeah, I want it. But then thinking about it more, I'm like, I don't play games right. and I don't watch sports. So the two cool things I found, the multiplayer gaming and the, the implementation of the apps and the real time stats and that kind of thing, as you're watching, yeah. That all looked really cool, and I'd love to go to someone's house and play a game or watch sports, but I would never do it at my own house. So I'm like, well, maybe that's not something for me to purchase. Right. I'd love to use it and try it, but I wouldn't want to purchase it. And on that note, I did actually, on an unrelated reason, get an Apple TV, one of the older ones, the third third gen Rev 1, yeah. um, or Rev A, I think it's called. And for the remote desktop airplay functionality um, or the extended desktop airplay functionality, I should say. And because I've been wanting to hook up to get dual monitors for our, our MacBook air, like two external uh, displays, yeah. which apparently the MacBook can't support hardwired in, but you can hardwire one external and airplay the second. So that's what we have set up right now. Sweet. Um, so because both Maria and myself have found that we're, wanting the dual like i have a dual display at work which is yeah. awesome and it's Rhea's amazing that she's wanting. it is <laughs> so um but yeah as far as the apple tv i'm, I'm impressed by it and, and i think it's exciting to see what they're what they're bringing to the 
the iOS market. Yeah. As for the iPad, the Pro one is really interesting. I would, if I had a lot of disposable income, I would absolutely buy it just because it's such an amazing artistic tool. I've always wanted, since I had the like a Windows tablet back in 2006, 2007, I've always loved writing on a computer. And this pencil, the Apple Pencil, just seems incredible. I'm going to have to go and try it out in a store in a couple months after it, well, after November, after it dies down. Um, but obviously it's not for me. I like my tablets, although I don't really use it that much. I like my tablets to have cellular data and you need to spend like a thousand dollars. The highest storage one is the only one that has cellular. Yeah. Um, so the iPad's nice. Uh, we're probably not the best people suited to discuss the sort of technical things. There are many other tech podcasts that will do that. Um, Oh, like specs and stuff. I, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, right. Well, it's, it's big and it has a stylus. That's I actually had a lengthy conversation about that stylus with uh, you met him, Derek, yeah. My, or Mike met him. I'm yeah. currently staring at Mike's face. <laughs> um, uh, but no, Derek, who does a lot of graphic stuff, talked to me about the stylus they came out with. Apparently, it is in fact a great big deal. Yeah. It is, yeah. It it has an accelerometer in it to yeah, sense like, to sense the tilt angle that it has with the screen. Yeah, and it it does a whole bunch of stuff. It's really cool. Like, and the big deal is that it does it so quickly. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, a tablet with four gigs of RAM is going to be ridiculous once Adobe gets their hands on it. Uh, I'm really intrigued to see what happens, but I don't think it's necessarily for the average consumer. That's why they call it the yeah. iPad Pro. Yeah. One, the other point that I should, or that we should talk about is how they're marketing it as a replacement for a primary computer. Yeah. Like they, they released their keyboard attachment that has this kind of crazy plug-in thingy that it has at the bottom to plug into the keyboard thing. And I guess it's going to work with other peripherals as well to utilize whatever functionality that it might offer. Um, but yeah, I think it's a very intriguing device to use as a primary computer because essentially it's it's literally the same size as a MacBook Air screen, a 13-inch MacBook Air screen. It's going to be the same uh, same dimension. So you you may as well if you're going to if you're in the market for a laptop, you may as well get the iPad Pro and have the well. The functionality not not as in like oh it's easy just it it could be in that consideration yeah. if you're willing to spend the money on it yeah it's a great device but i think you'd need to to justify the cost in comparison to a laptop i think you'd have to be ready to or excited to use the artist features the pencil right. features yeah i agree yeah um, we'll have to see how it compares to the surface but it seems like the stylus blows it out of the water uh the input might i mean they're they're talking about the whole 240 times a second refresh when you're using the pen which is unbelievable i i was hearing a lot of people talking who had tried it in the the demo area that there is still some lag which is kind of disappointing but i guess that's like with digital devices that's basically just what you end up with and uh i look forward to a future where there isn't any can we talk about how the keynote featured microsoft and adobe yeah. Because that, that was kind of funny. I know, like, I was watching the live blogs and Twitter as 
the keynote was going on because I couldn't watch it on any of my devices. I guess I, iPhone wouldn't even load the keynote, so I was just following the live log. But when like Microsoft came out, people were like, what? Oh, Microsoft's here. What? Adobe's here too. And then it was kind of like, I think some people were like, oh, but Apple's like parading their defeated enemies in front of them at their keynote or something like that. Mm, I, 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 I think that. that was kind of a stretch, but yeah. I guess it was interesting to see them collaborating and actually like advertising for Apple at their own keynote, which is, I, it was weird. It was a paradigm shift for me, I think. But Microsoft have done demos before, as have Adobe. It's for just been Apple? a while. Yeah. Not on, okay. not on a mobile device. Maybe I just haven't been paying attention until recently, but yeah, it's been a while though. Yeah. Uh, the last, I guess you wanted to talk, well, you at least wrote it down. You want to talk about the iPhone upgrade program. I, I also want to talk about it. Uh, apparently, as of tonight, the last, I didn't hear which carrier it was, but the last of the four major U.S. carriers announced they will also be starting up their own yearly upgrade program for the but iPhone specifically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So everyone's getting on board with this. Yeah. So let's let's talk about what it is. Yeah. First. Did you want to? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So you, you wrote an explanation on it already in Slack, <laughs> no less. I, I did. Yeah. I did a lot of math trying to figure out how much it would cost in Canada. And it's a little ridiculous, which makes me think it's a little ridiculous in the States. But basically only if it's only ridiculous if you think you can sell your phone for more than half its original value a year later, because that's how much it's costing you every year is half its original value. Well, before getting into the numbers, the idea of the Apple upgrade or iPhone upgrade program is you're essentially financing your phone with you the possibility yeah. with a with a possibility of upgrading it, like trading it in on an annual basis and just restarting your two year financing program. Right. You're you are literally doing that. Yeah. They make you it's sign up. A bank. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you pay one twenty fourth the total cost of the phone over for the plus first twelve Apple months, yeah. plus yeah, the phone plus yeah. Apple Care, and then after twelve months, you have the option of getting a brand new phone, trading in your old one, and starting a new two-year finance program, and then just doing that indefinitely as long as they keep releasing phones. Uh, it's not a great idea mathematically if you're willing to sell your phone, but if you, if that is worth several hundred dollars to you, then uh, then it's a lot less work to have to to just do this. If you have the disposable income for that, I'd say it's a pretty good deal. Yeah, but if you if you ride out your two year financing, you're essentially are you breaking even as if you bought it outright? There must be some sort of additional cost to doing that. No, it's it's exactly breaking even because you the financing is just for the phone plus Apple Care for two years. Oh, so there's no added like cost because you're allowed to finance like a pseudo interest. Like there's no, no. Oh, then why wouldn't you do that if you're planning on buying it outright anyway? Well, you, you can do that. There's, they're basic, they're, they're forwarding that they are, they're using their 190 whatever billion dollar cash pile to finance people to get them to upgrade every year because no, no person who is willing to sign up for this upgrade program is going to go, no, you know, like I could get a brand new iPhone right now, but uh, eh, 
I'm going to wait and keep paying the same amount, keep my old one for an extra year and then have it at the end of the two years. But now you have a two-year-old phone yeah. and right. nobody wants it. Right. Well, and, I, and I think going back to what you're saying, this is for people who wouldn't sell their phone right. after they're done with it. And that is a vast majority of people. Yeah. And if you, yeah, if you regular, if you're going to buy the new iPhone anyway, then you may as well pay half the cost of the phone and then just get a new phone every year versus paying the entire cost and just having an old iPhone kicking around. Right. Yeah. I know a lot of people who do that. A lot of yeah. tech people just buy an iPhone and then the next year buy another one. They have a drawer yeah. full of old ones. Yeah. Yeah. But so I guess that leads pretty well into why, well, not why I'm not getting a phone, but the fact that I'm not getting a new phone. It's been two, since 2011, I think I've gotten one every year and just sold the old one. Um, this year a combination of having about two weeks left of my current contract uh, before venturing into the unknown, whether that's an extension of that same contract or a slightly different job or or going into unemployment remains to be seen. And so there's apparently, uh, I would still do it. (laughs) Apparently that's not enough financial stability. Uh, And so I'm, I'm accepting that. Hint, hint, Julia. (laughs) I've already tried, uh, making the argument and I have to see reason I do as she, as we've discussed, <laughs> um, you're going to say she, no, no, no. As we've discussed, <laughs> I, I want to have a child and I understand they're very expensive. And so it seems like a good idea to just wait a little bit, see how my job situation turns out and then make a decision once I know more than two weeks into my future. Yeah. But I am disappointed. I've got to say, but man, unemployment would sting so much less. With that new phone to explore. You don't have to tell me. <laughs> the thing is, I, I have been saving up for it. Like I've been putting money away thinking September phone, just like I do every year. So I have the money. It's just right now it would be very unwise to spend it on that, not knowing what my future holds. Yeah. Which is the unfortunate part, but. That's very mature of you, Rob. No, it's very mature of her. <laughs> but i'm i'm glad i'm with her for that reason yeah yeah just that one well that and many others but that that being the one that <laughs> into this conversation i was gonna say you're like yeah for that reason it's like that's that's it because like they have financial planners for that yeah that's true <laughs> i was making the joke i was talking uh to the guys from mobile syrup uh this afternoon um describing my plate and just basically being like, oh, you know, like I, I went along in the joke, like, oh, I'm not gonna be able to do this. I had the, I had it reserved and I'm not going to go, I'm going to wait. And, uh, started, started being like, no, you know what? I'll do it. I'm, I'm downloading divorce papers right now. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I've made my <laughs> downloading choice. Downloading divorce papers even. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I am, I am choosing love over technology for now. Also shelter and food and electricity. Yeah, but I have I have money for that. Like I said, I've been saving up for this phone. I've been saving up with the with the idea that I'm gonna get this phone. So right. yeah. Anyways, I guess that's we have some of Nick's news. Nick, rather than adding you you were kind of a last minute addition to this chat. We weren't sure you were gonna make it. <laughs> I I thought I told you I'd make it. No, you told you told us you were gonna try, but anyways. Oh. Okay. Point being, 
the, the stories Nick has in here are ones we haven't talked about, but they are his favorites from the time he missed in the last couple months. Yeah. And so incidentally, I've throughout. had basically a dedicated researcher working on that for me. Okay. Shout out to senior research assistant Kaya, um, <laughs> who part of friend her job. Friend of the show, by the way. <laughs> friend of the yes. show, yeah. Um, can we say that? Is that making it too serious? <laughs> no, she, uh, she's been on the show. She waved at us. Yeah, she did. It's true. Yeah. She did. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, part of her job in the summer was monitoring Twitter feeds, and that ended up with a lot of tech stories for me. No science okay. stories. No science so, stories. Lots of science stories. Okay. At least these three. Yeah. See, Rob and I monitor Twitter, and we don't get paid for it. So that's, that's true. That's a pretty sweet deal. Oh yeah. Well. I Not have that my, was her entire job or anything. Just I, I have my staff. You know how it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. So anyways, the, the big news this week, which just seemingly continues to get worse and worse, is this Volkswagen thing. Have you guys heard about this or am I going to be talking and explaining this to you guys? Yes, I've heard about I it. I've heard about it. Okay. Four so, lines of code. Four lines of code is all it takes to dodge around yeah. emissions standards yeah i have i have a follow-up comment on it but after we talk about this part sure so yeah. basically we we talk a lot about cars on this show futuristic cars that we'd like to talk about self-driving ones we like to talk about electric ones uh we like to talk about ones that use alternative fuels diesel is kind of the alternative to gasoline um is it no natural gas is diesel's not Diesel is the other type they're, of they're fuel. All, they're all separate fractions. I don't see how they're that different. Diesel's just a different type. I wouldn't call it alternative. Natural gas is like, oh, it's cleaner. Diesel just gets better Yeah, mileage. it's also a hydrocarbon, but yeah. Well, now you're just splitting hairs. <laughs> all right, so my point is you can I'm get gasoline. fractions. Most <laughs> cars get gasoline at the pump, but another thing you can get at gas pumps is diesel. That it's the alternative to gasoline in that sense. And Volkswagen has a lot of the diesel powered cars on the Power. market right now. <laughs> We're changing the definition of alternative here. No, Just I'm PS. I'm saying it's the alternative at the pumps to gasoline. You called it alternative energy? No. You called it something. It's, no, it's the alternative to gasoline in that it's also available at conventional <laughs> fuel stations. Yeah. It's not really an alternative because you can't just put diesel in your car. Uh, so you understand exactly what I'm saying. I don't know why we're having this discussion. I don't know why you said it, but yes, we understand what you're saying. An alternative to gas-powered cars, like gasoline-powered cars, is diesel-powered cars. You can't get a natural okay. gas-powered car on, like, and drive it around on the streets today. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you what can. car? Like the Another, the government of Canada's head, fleet, but, yeah. I think, is natural gas powered. Yeah. You last can I get checked. them. They're just not at dealerships. You just have to look for them. But anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, if you ahead. find one, I will be happy to eat my words. But for now, let's say you can't get them. I'm pretty like, sure regular- like UPS. What, you can. I'm pretty sure UPS ones run on propane or something like that. Yeah, there's lots. There's Okay, just finish what you're saying, Rob. Talking about cars right now. We're not. <laughs> Go on. Anyways. Lay it the, on the us, point, Rob. The point of this story is diesel cars, which are a 
completely conventional, albeit not gasoline-powered type of car. Yes. And there's this huge emission scandal because basically they were they were gaming the system while they were getting these emissions tests in that if a car if one of their cars was going through what it felt what felt like a test in terms of how the wheel is moving how the gas pedals are being used it would get terrible fuel mileage but it wouldn't use or it would it would block a lot of the emissions that were that were uh being produced and but when you took it out on the open road, as anyone who's driving it would, suddenly the gas mileage would be great, but it would be letting all these emissions out, like way over, like something like 40 or 50 times over the EPA limit in the States. And so this was finally discovered when they were doing testing on a car, but emissions testing on a car, but out in the open. They had a rig set up so that it was testing the emissions of a car while it was running out on the road. Um. And so basically this this just seems to be getting worse and worse in that we now have the Volkswagen stock has plummeted by billions of dollars in the last few days. The CEO has resigned or stepped down or been let go. Some he's not with the company it anymore. Was, it was voluntary though his uh his contract was almost up. Okay. And now recent just today other car manufacturers like BMW are being accused of doing basically the same thing on their diesel powered cars. Um so yeah, Mike, what did you have to say on the on the matter? I think I guess just to clarify, I don't the stories I read and it could very well just be the articles that were misrepresenting the the facts, but my understanding of it was that the VWs were sacrificing performance like power, not mileage in the testing. So it was lower power, therefore lower emissions, but the normal running of the car would give better power, better performance, but higher emissions. That was my okay. understanding as yeah. well. It, it wasn't about mileage. It, I, that might be a side thing. But I, I, th- I think it is a side thing. Yeah. But the, the well, main it, thing was just, they, they, they turned down the performance of it right. to reduce the emissions. So it just wasn't working as hard, I guess. Okay. Um, and I think, yeah, I think this is definitely, it's, it sounds like kind of how, you know, performance enhancing drugs and steroids is kind of like this thing that athletes use. And when they get caught, it's a huge scandal, but it's kind of like, well, everyone's doing it. And if you don't do it, then you can't compete. Right. After hearing the BMW thing come out, that was my first thought was like, well, it sounds like another one of those. Well, everyone's doing it. Yeah. Um, the other thing that it brought to to mind was how, I don't know if you guys heard about, it. I can't remember if we talked about it on the show, but Samsung, for their mm-hmm. phones, for the benchmark testing, their phones would recognize when an app that was looking, that was doing a benchmark test was being done. This, the Samsung would crank up the performance to perform better on the benchmark test, but their default going when they wasn't running was poor performance. Yeah. So it's kind of the opposite of this or kind of, I don't know. It's, S- yeah, same it's idea. And then it's trying to do better on a test. Yeah. And that was, and it, I wouldn't call that a scandal because it's not like there's regulations saying your phone must be this good to yeah. be sold. But it was kind of they were still deceiving the public with with. It would certainly be classes. Tests, when you look up benchmark comparisons for phones, which are arguably non-representative actual quality, mm-hmm. there's a lot of controversy over. Well, not controversy, but people have differing opinions on it. Yeah. Um. 
it was still misleading because the sound, some of the Samsung phones would be showing as, yeah, oh, it's better than this phone, when in reality, the everyday performance would not show that. Um, so it's, it's, it, that was just a side thing that kind of reminded me. Yeah, and yeah it was, it's that kind of thing where it's like one or two lines of code saying, if this type of app is running, crank up the parameters of this kind of thing. Mm. In that particular case, though, I think if I'm remembering correctly, I forget if it was me that thought of it or if I heard someone talk about it. It was probably hearing someone talk about it. But that's not that instance of Samsung is not so much gaming the system as it is telling you this is the optimal performance of the phone because you wouldn't want your processor running full blast all the time because your battery would just get destroyed. But that's the thing, though, the other but. In a comparison, like a benchmark, the other phones aren't doing that. It'd be different if all the other phones did the same thing and said, this is the best you could ever do. But the other phones are showing everyday use, not cranking it up where both cores are running and the video card is maxed out and, or the video processors all maxed out and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Right? So, so that's the thing. In a relative sense, it wasn't fair. Yeah, sure. You, you could say it's showing that, oh, this is the best it could ever do, but the other phones weren't doing that. Right. And that's but, where it was misleading. Yeah, but they're not they're they're not trying to say this is everyday use. They're trying to say this is what the processor is capable of. Benchmark tests are supposed to do that. They're supposed to show in a typical use, say like playing a video, like running a video, like some mm-hmm. benchmark tests literally play a video and monitor yeah. the performance. But if the other phones are showing aren't aren't cranking up their processor and their their video capabilities, then that's not a representative comparison between Samsung and LG phones. That kind of benchmark test you're describing, where they open a bunch of websites and play video at at medium brightness, that's not the kind of benchmark. Oh no, no, I'm not. No, there's some benchmark apps that also have preset videos that they'll play to compare the all the phones, and they'll play the same video with the same frame rate, all that kind of stuff on every phone. Okay. That's more of a sideline kind of yeah, thought that yeah, I had. Yeah. Was it, it sounded like a similar thing, but I don't think I, I haven't heard of any other companies doing that to their phones where they're baking. No, in I that haven't heard of it either. In, in software, but it'll be interesting to see what type of inquiries we see with the the auto manufacturers with this. And yeah, I guess with climate change being a, being a big thing these days, it's. I saw one article. I was like, oh, how many deaths could the vw cheating have caused based on like estimates on smog and yeah this is kind of taking it to the extreme and not really necessary but yeah <laughs> kind of probably not but, necessary at all yeah <laughs> but i think it, i think it's still an important thing to look at and say well there's these regulations in here for a reason like legally and you know ethically and health wise and if yeah you're trying to cheat the system then that's not something that you want to allow continuing yeah Nick, did you have anything to add on that? Um, I mean, it's it's totally unethical, but you can see the temptation. Because, I mean, I'm sure in an emissions test, it's like the gasoline paddle is exactly here. The RPMs mm-hmm. are exactly here. Or like the rate of change is extremely low for whatever we're doing. So if that yeah. happens, maybe just you know, <laughs> tweak it a little bit. Yeah. It was a lot. <laughs> it wasn't a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, we are being a little bit hyperbolic here. Or I was. <laughs> there was a company, I forget which one they were talking about, but it was mentioned in one of the articles I was reading about this, that they, I think it was even a, maybe a gas-powered car, that they, you could get a certain amount of performance out of a car with, at a, at a, like, available, uh, sorry, under under the legal 
EPA limits of um, emissions for the first seven minutes or something, which is how long the test usually is. But then after that, it would just mm. it would start going up. It couldn't keep up with the emissions. And so they would they would be doing pretty well in the test, but then all of a sudden you'd look at it after it had been running for an hour or something on the on the highway and find that the emissions are just way out of control. Huh. So that seems like less gaming the system and more just being aware of how the testing works and getting away with it. But it it kind of brings just brings into focus that if people are going to be able to be dishonest in order to make money on promises that they can't necessarily keep, then they're going to try to do it yeah well let's be honest like no one's buying a car because it has low emissions they'll, they'll look at fuel mileage but they're not saying oh this has really low emissions yeah unless, they're looking unless at you're buying like an electric car or a hybrid i was yeah. gonna say it depends on how much money you have yeah well I'm, i wouldn't buy a tesla because of the emissions i'd buy it because it's a good car i do it's both cool. what if you had more money than sense mike what if <laughs> Get one of each. At that price, I'll buy five. Yep. All right, uh, Nick. Let's move on and talk about your first. Your I, I call this your top story of the summer. I don't know if this is actually your top one of the three you have. Uh, but what's uh, this Franken virus? Oh, that one. Yeah, that's that's a good top story based on uh, based on title alone. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Franken virus emerges from Siberia. Apparently, given, you know, this global warming thing that's been going on, a lot of previously frozen things have ended up thawing. And they've tested some old tissues and stuff like that and found these really, really old viruses that are effectively extinct today. But yeah, this one in particular was really interesting. For one thing, it was huge. Mm -hmm. It was over a micron big which is huge for a virus, just huge. Right. And the other interesting thing about them was that uh, it was genetically very complex. So it had on the orders of a couple thousand genes within the virus, whereas I think the common cold today has like eight. Yeah, something like that. But yeah, it's just, it's crazy. And that also goes along with, apparently there are also a lot of really interesting archaeological findings that are happening nowadays because the permafrost is thawed and just these yeah. things are just falling out of the side of cliffs and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, they're wondering if, you know, I mean, in the zeitgeist currently, there's a lot of concern over weird and crazy diseases and zombie, potential precipitates for the zombie apocalypse maybe maybe the zombie apocalypse virus is frozen in the permafrost maybe although we would have probably seen some evidence of it somewhere would maybe we? would we if it was in yeah, the I ice mean, age how would we have seen it rob in our archaeologists would have seen it i mean maybe yeah is this virus i didn't read the article um is this virus like <laughs> a previously unknown virus yeah okay and it's is like it like a brand new like discovery a super deadly virus or what uh they're not sure they're currently implanting the virus into amoeba like single-celled organisms to see what actually happens 
that's that's really the only logical thing to do is yeah. give the virus to things. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I mean, if you want to study it, yeah, that you do kind of have to do that. Yeah. You, for oh, the love of God, you try and keep it controlled, but. <laughs> so uh, I'm assuming they've put this into their virus bank that they have or their disease bank that the CDC has. I have no idea what you're talking about. It's like the seed bank, but they have one for diseases. I was going to say, is, is that a segue? Are we segueing? We're not segueing yet. <laughs> you can segue if you want. I that's I just wondering if it's that unknown and rare, then you think you'd kind of set some aside to be. Well, they saved. have. I think they have smallpox. Yeah, I think and, they have. Well, they have a bunch of them, but yeah, they have. Isn't there like an accident with that last year where they just lost a vial or something like that? Yeah, I kind of remember something. Along those just, lines. Whoops! Yeah. <laughs> now, how did that happen? <laughs> yeah, but okay, that's that's kind of cool though that we're finding new viruses and that they're so different. Yeah. So I mean, there's the a lot to learn because that's. I imagine a layer of what would you call it? Paleontology that has just been completely unexplored. I forget what the word paleo means now. Virology. Yeah. Paleovirology. Definitely. Let's go with that. I like that. Paleovirology. (laughs) I hope that's a thing. Sweet. Should be a thing. It is now. It is. You heard it here first. (laughs) Hashtag paleovirology. All right, let's switch gears to something completely new instead of completely old. Are you doing uh, the switch gears thing? That's no. a Bond thing. <laughs> Mike, tell me about Verizon's new network. <laughs> about which? Verizon's new network. Why don't we... Okay, we can do that. I thought we were going to segue into the seed bank thing, but... No. We can talk about this. So we've talked about 5G on the show before. We have. Um... But no one's, I think people kind of thought that was like a, oh yeah, we'll get to that eventually. We're, we're okay with our 4G right now. Um, you know, our LTE speeds are pretty good. Um, I think people were kind of saying that 2020 was when you'd start seeing 5G technology start being more practical and implementable. But there's been an announcement from Verizon, uh, the large carrier in the States, that they're planning on field testing a 5G technology in 2017. So that's two, one and a half years away, which is really soon, Um, which is really cool. And I guess it would just be a matter of time before phones start getting set up with 5G uh, radios. You'll be able to hit your data cap in mere minutes. Yeah, that's what everyone keeps saying. But you can only get, you can only accumulate data as fastly as fastly as quickly as you can surf the web or cruise Facebook. So there's, there's still going to be, unless you're downloading stuff, that's kind of its own thing and just have a bunch of torrents that you're have queued that just continually download all day. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and yeah you could do that a lot faster on 5g, but uh, in this, I think for the average user, you're not going to hit your cap any faster per se. Right. I, I don't imagine there being a huge effect. Like people are already watching YouTube videos in 1080p HD on their phone, so I don't think you're gonna. Well, 4K. That's what's well, next. There's no 4K phones yet, and no, no, but uh, there are a couple 4K phones, I think, but not many people have them. I don't know what a couple, maybe one. Well, if if that. Do you know but what it is? I I think I saw. Uh, what's that guy? Marques Brownlee, I think he showed off a 4K phone one day. Yeah. 
the, th- the thing that I'm interested in seeing with these, with this uh, 5G is, is it going to be like 3G where everything is kind of the same or is it going to be something like LTE where there are a bunch of different bands and you have to make sure your phone's compatible and your network's compatible with the, the bands you have and there's something like 25 different LTE bands you can get. Okay. With varying I, speeds and stuff? Varying... Like it's it's different f- sets of frequencies. Obviously, right. I don't I don't know too much about the technology, but um, the fact that it's not as simple as here's the connectivity, here's your cellular radio. Now you can connect to this network. It's you have a bunch of bands. Like every year, the since the iPhone first got LTE with a few bands, every year now they don't. They say the network's a little bit faster, but they're just like, now it's compatible with this band and this band and this band, which means you have right. service in more places. But right. yeah, it's not, it's not an all or one, all or nothing kind of thing. It's, you have some, uh, yeah, you have, I think that's probably just more of a maintaining the signal versus quality of like speed. I think the speed will probably be the same, but you're just, will find better signal or actual signal depending on how many bands your phone can yeah. pick up. Yeah. Um and I guess on this note of speed, uh Verizon's quoted or tested their connection to be thirty to fifty times faster than their four G network, which right. is pretty much as fast as you'd ever need yeah. for any purpose, I'd say. Yeah. So and of course they probably won't allow tethering ever again five <laughs> G, so definitely Definitely not, as we'll mention before we go. Um, so there, there is one that I'm seeing here that's a 4K phone, the Sony Z5. Is that the one you were thinking of? It I, is that the only one? That's I don't know the one that I saw. If that was the only, it was one. it was released in September. It was released a couple of weeks ago. Oh, okay, then that wasn't the one. So then, as far as I knew, there were known, but there might have been one. If okay, that's the case. So fair enough. There you go. Um, Nick, your next story here about California's water table. Well, what, what does Nick think about the, the 5G, if he has any comment on it? I, I already mentioned my thoughts. Like, oh boy, my data cap in seconds now. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, that's great. Well, Nick, you or don't, geez. you don't have, see, you, you do have a data cap, right? I do. Okay. See, I I took that as a joke because I don't really think about data caps. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I don't live it in, so it must be nice. It like, is nice, actually. Yeah, yeah I bet. Thanks. I bet. But it's real nice. <laughs> it's the best, really. <laughs> One anyway. percenters with your no data caps. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Sorry, Rob. That's okay. I interrupt you, Nick. California's water table. What's going on? Yeah, uh, I would argue this is probably the. Story with the most significance of anything we've talked about, especially the Apple stuff. Yeah. Um, there's been some research done on uh, California's water table with some sort of economic impetus. What, what could that have been? Was there a drought this summer? Did anyone there was hear about a drought that? this summer. Is that a thing? Yeah. I hear it's been fairly warm. Yeah. 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 So, so it got kind of real in California this summer. And so there's a lot of effort going into trying to figure out how to actually boost up that water table because it is very clearly getting abused. 
and it's not going too well for some of the farmers there. There's, I listened to a Planet Money where there's basically an arms race in terms of wells now. Like okay. people's wells are running dry, so they just keep boring down deeper. Because they they're growing these like pistachios and stuff that's really thirsty right. in the middle of what would otherwise be a desert. So, I mean, nobody's stopping them from using that water. So, economics, they're going to use that water, which right. is kind of sad. But yay, capitalism! <laughs> um, so this idea here was that you can utilize flooding of farmland to increase the water table. So what they have is during the uh, like their winter, which I imagine feels a whole lot nicer than our winter, but it is still their winter. Um, they have a lot of storm runoff and stuff like that during their winter. And at the moment, they only have a few places where they can actually try and guide that water down and back into the water t- table. Like they have some in Calgary. I think they're called like dry lakes. See them a lot at the side of the road. Mm hmm. Um, oh, is that those are four? Yeah, they collect uh, storm water and let it drip back into the water table. Oh, see, I've always seen those storm water thingies, and I'm like, is that for like a flood? But okay, that makes sense. Yeah, it's some well, oh. there are those, but that's right. I think that's a big way to deal with it at like major traffic interchanges and stuff like that. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, oh, cool. really good idea. Yeah. But uh, you know, California, it's clearly not cutting it right now. So they've had some experiments where they they have these floodwaters and they're saying just divert them into farmland. Big open farmland. And what they've noticed is, I mean, obviously different crops can take it to different extents. Like uh, they said alfalfa is really good at taking it. And you couldn't necessarily do this during the growing season. But when everything's laying dormant, it just seems to be fine at dealing with it. And so they're noticing really, really marked improvements in the water table over just one winter. If you just take some of this, uh, some of this flood water and actually divert it back into the ground instead of just trying to get rid of it. Cool. I'm, I'm assuming this has a very local effect depending where you're diverting it versus a general rise in the water table. Yeah, well, I'm not sure how, like, the aquifer map or whatever works. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, locally it's great. And if you're a farmer in what would otherwise be a desert, absolutely you should look into that. Yeah. The the table tends to level out wherever you get, wherever you have someone either taking water to lower the table or raising it by having flood water there it'll gradually spread out. So it won't be immediate, but right. it will spread more, more than just locally where it is. Yeah. But on a seasonal basis, when you're continually drawing water, it probably won't have that time to spread yeah. out. Right. If it's going to get used up. But yeah, that's yeah, true. No, it's, it's good that they, that they found a solution for at well, least the time being. To yeah. A temporary solution. Over. Yeah. Yeah. Take that Malthus. When I heard the headline, I was thinking either, 
they were like pumping ocean water onto farmland, which I was like, that would it be took very me, useful. It took me a really, really long time to figure out that they were using flood water. Yeah. And then I was, was like, like, is this seawater? What's happening? Yeah, Aren't you just salting like, the earth? What's, <laughs> what are you doing? I was like, is it ocean water? Are they like taking water from like their water treatment and just throwing it onto crops? And I'm like, well, that's not going to really do any benefit because you're still using the municipal supply. Right. But, okay. It, it makes sense. The stormwater thing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. cool. Yeah, but like Calgary too was having issues with drought. So it could this be. Year. I thought we or the prairies were or something like that. Had a bad bad growing season, I guess. Okay. It's funny because my first summer here was a fantastic growing season because <laughs> they too fantastic kinda, even. Yeah, they <laughs> had a little bit of water when I was here first. <laughs> yes. And, uh, I'm actually surprised because it was like super hot and droughty with intermittent just weeks of crappy weather. Right. <laughs> yeah. Though there wasn't actually much rain this summer. It wasn't last summer I didn't have to water my lawn at all. This summer I do it a couple times. Hmm. Got a bit crunchy. All right. Uh the next story I have here, I, I do wanna kind of come back to that. Maybe we'll have to do it next week. Um, but the 2016 Almanac was released. Farmer's Almanac? Yeah, the Farmer's Almanac. And I don't know if I believe it, but it says hot, dry summer after a very cold winter. We've also got got an El Nino going on, so... Yeah. Are you being sarcastic? Me? No. No. Yeah, you. No. Oh. Why, Why do you find that hard to believe that a cold winter leads to it? No, no, no. I'm not saying it leads to it. I'm just saying that it seems, I find it very strange that the Almanac, regardless of possible performance, I don't, I don't know if there've been, I imagine there would have to be long-term studies of the Almanac predictiveness and how effective it is, but people like farmers rely on it. And it just seems like if we can't predict the weather that far out, how are we going to predict like something some sort of extreme weather like that. And unless they're considering global warming and just saying like every season is now going to be like that. Well, weather isn't the same as climate. No, I know. That's what I'm saying. Like it, it's trying to predict this thing, but I wonder how, how good they are at predicting it. It just like seems a, like it'd be like very a hard. Like a study on their studies, kind of. Right. Like, to see, their, evaluate their performance. Kind of. Apparently, yeah. the farmer's almanac is just scary good. Yeah, but the it it does give a day to day forecast. Like it tells you what oh, to predict the weather to be every day. Hmm. Really, day to day? I don't. That's really that's that. my recollection from what I've seen about it. Admittedly, that was a while back, but yeah, like it it goes into like, detail in predicting what it's going to be like based on past based on what it's been. Hmm. That sounds. Interesting. Yeah. So anyways, uh, I don't want to get too far into that because I don't know too much about it. I just just heard about it as we were starting the show. Um, But what I did want to talk about, Nick, you, I believe on this show several times, but certainly in life many times, have talked about this seed vault at Svalbard. The seed vault at Svalbard, yeah. There might be a blog post on that topic. Oh, there might be or there will be. I first read about it. Feel Feel free to throw a link in there. I can do that. Okay, so there is one. I thought you meant you were writing one for the future. 
No. Um, yes. Th- so this is a seed vault that basically they try to gather all manner of seeds that are available on Earth to have a backup in case something goes horribly wrong. So it's buried in a vault underground in, uh, is it Iceland or is it Greenland? I think Norway. I thought Norway. Okay, but it's uh, it's not on, it's part of Norway. One of those it's, countries. It's further north. It's on yeah. an island that's part, like, belongs to Norway, but isn't actually attached. Yeah, and that's absolutely the point. Yeah. Because they're saying, yeah. you know, if something goes just horrifically wrong, you can you can still get to it. And one of the reasons they put it way out in the ocean is that uh, there have been in the past a few seed repositories that were severely damaged. Like I think there was one in Iraq or Iran. Okay. Middle East somewhere. And a war happened and that was just the end of that seed repository. That sounds like a horrible place to have a seed repository. Harsh. Not in like a bad way. Way to be war torn, Middle East. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if you're gonna pick any place, why would you pick a war prone? Well, I, th- place? I think that was a national seed repository. It's like, oh, well, if it belongs to the country, they kind of, you know, you didn't, you didn't say that. But oh, sorry. That makes more sense. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so on to the the actual story. Uh, there's a civil war going on in Syria right now. And there, uh, there is in Syria a seed bank. Uh, apparently, it's the organization that works with it is called the International Center for Agricultural Research in Dry Areas. And basically, they they were they had this facility, and parts of it got damaged and destroyed in this Syrian conflict. And so, as part Are of we this, saying, the, like this was this was ISIS, right? Or uh, it's unclear to me what's going on in that region at the moment. I think there's a lot of different conflicts going on. I'm not sure this one's directly related, but I'm sure it's adjacent. Uh, regardless, I don't I don't want to get political about this. I'm just trying to talk about the actual the seed vault. But basically, what for the first time since Svalbard... You can recite, like, line by line stuff from the Apple keynote speech, but... Oh, you know, there's, like, stuff going on in Syria. It's a whole big thing, you know. <laughs> Just listen, listen to listen to East, Me- East Meets West, and you'll hear all about ISIS and what countries are and are not in Exactly. In it's ISIS. clear that we know... That this situation in that region is changing so much that it's very difficult for someone in the West to keep track, and our media doesn't really do a good job of telling us what's going on. It just basically s- talks about the is worst. Is it because I'm pretty sure it's like totally ISIS that's the problem at the moment? It they definitely are a problem in that exact region. I'm just not sure that this is yeah. that this fight is what ha- that this is what happened as part of that fight. The, but anyway, st- ISIS standing for the Islamic State in Iraq and Syria. On to the actual story that I'm trying to tell. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. In that area, there is there is a seed bank, and for the first time since Svalbard was set up, uh, this seed vault is making a withdrawal from Svalbard because they're trying to replenish their own stock of seeds that was destroyed. And I just thought that was really interesting in seeing how... I mean, first of all... it. it 
getting that kind of international cooperation, I mean, it's called the Global Seed Vault. So obviously, uh, different countries have different stakes in it. But it's really, I guess, good to see it working is the, the thing. Like, that's the whole point of it is to have a place that's free from conflict where you can store these things that are really important to farming, etc. And I just think it's really, it's interesting to see it working. Obviously, I have to keep up or keep up better with my Middle Eastern uh, conflict knowledge. But in terms of this, like this is the seed vault in Svalbard doing its job. And that's what I think is worth talking about. And I think it's cool. Yeah. Well, my understanding was the model was kind of sort of library-ish. Like countries could check their stuff in. Right. Now a country is making a withdrawal and the system works. I mean, so long as they... I mean, they've got to take the new seed and put it back in Svalbard, but as long as that happens, the system's working. Yeah. And it's great that we had something off in the Arctic Ocean rather than, you know, sitting in the middle of the Middle East. Right. Is it considered a seed bank? Yeah. And that's pretty much the word you're looking for is a bank. Like You put your seeds in, you withdraw. Mike, just read my blog. It's like money. <laughs> You're your like money. In, put your own money in, take your own money out. Oh, man. All right, Nick, your last story from the summer. I guess this is this is a, I don't even know what this would be, a predator-prey study. Yeah. They studied the populations of predator-prey relationships. And you know how, like, I think the classic study is wolves and elk or something like that. And they tend to have a certain periodicity to them and the they'll have kind of response cycles. Okay. So population of the prey will go up. The population of the predators go up. The population of the prey goes down. The population of the predators go down, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. That said, they've run some numbers and they got a surprising result in that the more prey around, you would assume the more prey there are, like the predators are going to have a population explosion. And they're just going to have a heyday with all this food around. Mm -hmm. But apparently that's not the case because prey have kind of evolved to, you know, stick up for one another when there are predators around. And it appears that when there are extremely large numbers of prey around, the predators have little to no luck. Hmm. And you don't necessarily get that population pyramid that you would necessarily expect. Hmm. And it's really interesting because have we talked about that uh, video that accompanied a thing on reintroducing wolves to Yellowstone Park? I don't recall that. No, okay. I, I will try and find it and I will try and link to it because it's really cool. Okay. Like uh, apparently there's a river that runs through Yellowstone. I assume there are many, but there's one in particular. And it was for the longest time, it was just, you know, cloudy and gross. And they reintroduced uh, wolves into Yellowstone Park. And what happened was wolves tend to prey upon elk in the like lowlands, the river valleys. And so the elk, instead of being around there and chewing up all the vegetation and, you know, preventing a really good root system from holding all the soil together, uh, the river started running clear again. Hmm. 
It's because the elk weren't there stirring things up. Hmm. And there was this, this cascade of effects that were all linked to reintroducing wolves to Yellowstone park, which is really interesting. But so, I mean, that's the kind of thing you would have expected, but apparently that's not always the case. Right. Cool. Yeah. Science. Learn something new every day. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, like, I think as far as the prey population, like, unless there was a shortage of prey for the predators, I wouldn't necessarily expect the predator population to go up with prey availability. Because the predators can only consume however much prey per year, regardless of how much prey is around, right? Yeah. yeah. So, well, you would assume, yeah, sorry, you would assume linear increases. So a linear increase in prey should yield a linear increase in predators as well. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't, no, I, I wouldn't expect that. I'd expect an increase in predators to be a decrease in prey for sure. Okay, there'd be, sorry, there'd, yeah. there'd, be, there'd be more predators requiring food. But I think if you have an increase in food, you're not necessarily going to see an increase in predators unless there's a shortage of food that's limiting the amount of predators. But you're saying that this study showed that an increase in... It showed that, that an increase in prey didn't result in an increase in predators. Yeah, there wasn't a proportional increase in predation. Yeah. And And apparently one of the reasons is like, you know, uh, predators tend to prey upon the young or the weak. But... If you're extremely outnumbered by prey, there's more prey around to stick up for the young and the oh, weak. Yeah, there's that's another effect mm. too, for sure. Yeah. Mm. That's just interesting. It's not something you'd necessarily think about, but No. But hearing about it, it, it makes sense a little bit. Like Yeah. It, and all the best discoveries do. Like Yeah. Yeah. All the sure. best discoveries you look at and go, Why haven't we been doing it that way all along? Yeah. It makes so much sense. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Again, uh, completely different track now. Mike, you posted this. I don't know when exactly, whether it was yesterday or today. Um, I didn't even see it. Fido has some new tablet data plans. Oh, this has been in my promoted tweets for like the past two weeks. So that's honestly the only reason I saw this. <laughs> so maybe it's, maybe it's been working. <laughs> We're talking about it on the show now. So that's, that's good. If you're going to get it, then yes, I agree. So this is... and. I don't know if it's just coincidental, but it's it's very similar to the iPhone upgrade plan in their the model. So they're essentially offering the iPad, or not the iPad, sorry, a tablet. It's the LG G-Pad 2, um, which is going to be released in September, which is actually, or I guess should be released now, I mm-hmm. think, the 29th or the 30th or something. Um, but they're they're offering this tablet at a uh 24 equal installment payments of ten dollars so a total cost of 240 or you can with the with an appropriate data plan as well yeah um, so whatever data plans they offer that you'd like you can get this financing option or just buy the tablet outright at 240 dollars so they're not offering the tablet any cheaper they're just allowing you to finance it if you're on their data plan which is exactly what the the iphone upgrade plan does yeah there's no upgrade aspect to this but i thought it was interesting like it's 
at first I was like, oh, they're just subsidizing the tablet, but that's not the case. They're just offering financing. Right. If you're on their, their data plan, which is an interesting approach to selling hardware. And I, I don't know if maybe the iPhone upgrade plan is going to encourage more either service providers or even retail outlets to offer a similar plan. Mm-hmm. You know, the difference is like seeing with the iPhone one and with this Fido one, you're attached to an actual service plan with either the phone or the tablet. So there's in a sense collateral or you already have a standing credit that they can kind of hold you to. Whereas it's not a no strings attached financing because they're not going to offer you the financing unless you're also buying the plan with it. So say like if a retailer like Best Buy wanted to offer financing on their, you know, their tablets, I don't, I don't know if they do that, you know, at a zero interest, unconditional financing plan. Right. But it'll, it'll be interesting to see if they start getting a bit more creative with how they're trying to sell these because they're obviously seeing that the upfront cost is often a barrier to people getting it. Yeah. Whereas a ten dollar per month makes it a bit easier to to justify that kind of purchase, and I'm sure it'd be the same with the iPhone. Maybe. maybe yeah. Yeah. Kind of like. I see it. I don't know that I would do it, but I definitely see it. Yeah. People would do it. Yeah, but this is this the Fido one. This is the first time I've seen a service provider offering this kind of thing, as far as like financing a piece of hardware that isn't really subsidized. It's just letting you pay for it in installments. Yeah. Although we talked about this, I think it was in the last episode, we talked about Fido's data plans for tablets. Yeah. And they're different and more. Well, yeah. for one gig, it costs $20, now down from 25 But five gigs is now $40 instead of $35. So we're going the wrong direction here. That's basically the fi- point. You can get 500, is it 500 or 200 megabytes for $10? 150 for $10. Oh, that's even worse. But that's, that's what it was before. That's what it's yeah. always been. Yeah. I get that. Like you have to, like $10 is a reasonable amount to connect you to the network, but at least give a reasonable amount of data, like give a gig for $10. <laughs> and then if yeah. you want more, uh, it's just not, it's not a great deal. And it's just now yeah. gotten $5 more expensive if you actually want to use a human yeah. amount of data and like on a tablet you're going to be watching like you use it to watch videos you use it to like consume content so you're going to want some actual data on there yeah uh, it annoys me the prices like now this data has just gone gotten even more expensive why is it what are they using to justify that five dollar increase in price yeah this makes me I want saw- to cancel my ipad my ipad plan out of spite <sighs> i saw people complaining about this this tablet financing plan because they're like, Oh, I, I was told it'd be $10 a month, but I'm getting charged 20. What the heck? Oh, it's costing me four and 80 instead of two forty. Is it go Fido? You're misleading, whatever. And it's like, nope. no, <laughs> if you actually read what you're agreeing to, you're buying the data plan plus the tablet. Yeah. So that's where the 10 plus 10 comes in. Mm-hmm. But people just, and that scares me that people are able to sign up for that without realizing what they're signing up for. Oh yeah, for sure. It's and that's the exact reason why they're not allowed to offer three year yeah. agreements anymore. Because after, you know, a year and a half, two years, people are like, Oh, I want a different plan or I'll go to a different provider. It's like, oh, we'll pay up your five hundred dollar cancellation. Yeah. 
Have you seen the thing on uh, John Oliver's thing on predatory lending? Yes. Because it's basically the same thing. Like that's why they exist. Yeah. Yeah. So on one hand, I I applaud Fido for being pioneers in this financing thing, but I think like because it makes it sound like such a good deal, I think people might get trapped into it if they're not understanding what they're doing. Right. Mm. Oh well. So we have a couple more stories. We'll try to wrap this up, uh, Mike. This. The story you have in here about Danish researchers and their speeding up lines is very intriguing to me. I haven't read the actual article yet, just because okay. I want to hear you explain what it's about. Okay. So I think we've talked about, and you guys have probably seen how people have done simulations on, or maybe even pseudo studies on unloading and loading of airlines mm-hmm. and how the way it's done now is is inefficient and how there's better ways. but the better alternatives are not necessarily practical to actually implement, even though on paper they they sound good. They're very not ideal in real life. So this is a similar kind of thing. Um, I guess what, let's let's use the iPhone, you know, lining up at the store to purchase it as as an example. So this this study looked at queuing efficiency and service quality using three different styles of service where. One group used first come first serve lining up, and people were incentivized to get there first and stand in line a lot earlier and have these longer lines and all that kind of stuff. The other the other group had a last come first serve, mm-hmm. where the person at the end of the line is who gets served. So people are disincentivized to be there first because there's a chance that they'll get served last. Right. And then the other group had random service. So you lined up and then it was randomly selected who got picked to be served first. Um, so what they found was that the most efficient and the best quality of service was, ha- was done when it was a last come first serve. That just the flow of it was better, the efficiency was better, just the whole experience was better. But that being said, upon asking people how they felt about the different methods, people felt that the most fair was first come, first serve, and the least fair was last come, first serve. Because obviously that just doesn't make any sense yeah. in a social context. Right. Um, so I don't know. It, it was kind of a bit of a fluff study and it was more of a headline thing, but I thought it was interesting that people actually bothered to look at it. And I wouldn't expect that a last come first serve would result in more efficient right. and service, but I, it makes sense that people wouldn't like that because I can't imagine that ever being used in real life. Yeah. Like that just doesn't make sense. I don't get how it would be faster. Well, that's the thing. I it does, and I guess going back to the other one, this one isn't an intuitive result to me. I don't understand how that would. I'd have to see yeah. their experimental like, design. And the person kind of first in line would just never go unless it was dead. Yeah, right. It's just it. Yeah, it's weird. If you've ever been in a customer facing role, you'll realize that if the customers just stop leaving, or if the customers just left you alone, you'd do a much better job. And <laughs> maybe guess. that's what this is incentivizing. <laughs> maybe. Don't come like, here. Maybe it's like if if you don't have like a hundred people in front of you and people behind pressuring you to finish up quickly, 
but you just have people coming up kind of one at a time because there's no one in line, so they know they're going to get served. Then it's just a more orderly, maybe better but service. It's strange. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I have to look more into this. Yeah. But it's weird. Mm-hmm. Now, Mike, um, take us home. You you put this as a very high priority story, but also said you didn't have much to say about it. And it is a, news from a couple weeks ago. What happened? I, th- I think there's a high chance that people may not have seen it because... There is, yeah. So I guess some researchers in... Where was this? South Africa. South Africa. So a very, you know, hot hotbed for archaeo or anthropological discoveries mm-hmm. related to, to paleontology and that kind of thing. They they had this cave system that was very well known, but I think for the first time someone actually attempted to get into it because this the way to access this cave system, there's very tight spaces. Um, it's dark. It's very. It's just inaccessible and impractical to actually get into. Yeah. But I don't. I don't know what the barriers were that weren't there for this group. But I guess this group was the first to actually be able to get into it. So I and, I can shed a bit of light on that. Okay. Uh, basically, it was a gap that was something like it was a very seven very inches. narrow gap. Yeah, it was like a seven inch gap. And so they got a bunch of female research assistants to go down. Like the men couldn't fit. None of them. Is that all could. it was? They just said, "Hey." Ladies, you're small. They recruited specifically small female research assistants to go down and look. I could see that working really well. Yeah. I'm thinking of a few girls I know that I would just like, you you know, that maybe they're five foot even on a good day. It's like, yeah, it'd be a really good idea. Would you please go down into this cave? (laughs) We will pay you a little, (laughs) potentially nothing. Yeah, <laughs> we will pay you proportional to your size. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they were able to get into this cave, and they found a what they seems to be a burial ground with over fifteen different uh, unique individuals, I guess, of the species of I don't want to say proto humans because I think there's there's still a Homo Homo yep. species. Um, but they've named it Homo naledi, and it's it's the earliest form of humans. Like I guess they're they're considering it a transitional species. Yeah, I guess everyone's kind of transitional. But in this case, they have limbs of humans, but their head is not as human like as you'd expect a more developed human to be, I guess. Okay. Let me just go back to the details here. Uh, yeah. So the, the, the head is unique, but it's similar to the current, the homo species. Um, and it's a, it's a smaller type species. So it's not a fully grown kind of human that you'd expect is more chimpanzee like in that sense. Well, because they could get into that hole in the cave, yeah. right? <laughs> Apparently. Well, okay, so as far as how they got down there, they infer that they were actually thrown, like, after they, they passed, after they died, they had a whatever ceremony, and they threw these bones into this, or threw the remains, I guess, into this cave that they were able to get into. So th- they didn't live in this cave, but it, and that's why they found 15 individuals in this small area, which kind of suggests a burial ground versus 
It's like the equivalent to, to flushing a goldfish down the toilet. It's like, I think off more, you go more into similar, the cave. <laughs> more similar to Egyptian tombs yeah. versus flushing a live goldfish down the toilet. What I had heard is that it was actually, it was even more, more than that. It was actually, they were placed there and not even dropped because there was, well, there was no sign of trauma. Like from the orientation of the cave and how they were, it was, it wouldn't just be that they were like kind of shoved down this hole. They were actually brought down. I, okay. See, I didn't read that part. I, that was a, I, a video I saw from SciShow YouTube okay. channel. Maybe I maybe that wasn't the video I saw, but I understood it to be that because of the size of the cave, it was inferred that they were like put. They in were there put versus, in there, yeah. But I I heard it was right. not uh, not unceremonial. Okay, okay. It, it sounds it sounds like they were potentially small enough to actually get into this cave anyway. So it, they very yeah. well could have gone in there and kind of been placed yeah. there. Um, but yeah, I guess the big news is that they're very they have elements of both the proto-humans as well as more modern humans so uh yeah it was it's i guess this is considered the largest assemblage of a single species of hominins yet discovered in africa right so that's a pretty big deal yeah because huh. yeah, usually like i know like with lucy um they found her in pieces and kind of had to put her together right in various stages whereas this one they found like full skeletal samples right like obviously set like scattered but they were able to put them all together and match them up and that kind of thing so, yeah for sure yeah pretty exciting stuff to to see that and we can celebrate another gap in the evolution chain for creationists to <laughs> claim <about>. yes <laughs> uh i should I'll, I'll point out i put uh i'll put a link to your national geographic video and my scishow video so we can okay. both watch both and then everyone else can draw all their own conclusions. Okay. Sounds good. And this just after they made that universal tree of life thing. I know. Uh, they got to like <laughs> redo it again. Jeez. It's a whole other line. They should stop making it in pen. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anyone else have anything, uh, any last thoughts before wrapping up? It's nice to see you both again. This was a good it's show. Nice to see you too. This was a very action packed show. I like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right well in that case thank you again as always for listening to this week's future chat i'd like to thank audible.com once again for helping to support this podcast uh don't forget that you can help us out by visiting audibletrial.com slash unwind right now to start your free 30-day trial of uh, audible's audiobook service uh, and you can also get a free audiobook through that trial we'll be right back here next week with more science and tech talk uh on thursday again as we were on this thursday unless something changes in the intervening time uh, but you can find past episodes of the show and plenty more at unwindmedia.com slash future chat. See you next time. See ya. Bye. Bye.